Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. God, we continue to look to you. We continue to offer ourselves in trust and faith. And uh, we, we believe at Mercy Hill that your word is powerful and effective. Um, and so we, we turn toward you and we, we just turn our, our gaze up to you as we hear the word. Would you speak to us? In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Luke. All right, Mark chapter 2. A couple weeks ago, Michelle and I went to the movies, and we saw this movie called The Greatest Showman. Have you guys seen this movie? Right? Okay. So who, who's the main guy in the movie? Hugh Jackman, right? The Wolverine, right? The Wolverine. So we go to the movies, and um, we sit down, and the, the movie opens, and there's the Wolverine singing. And it's like, uh, honey, why, why, is, why is the Wolverine singing, you know? And she's like, you didn't know? I didn't know. I'm like, what do you, I'm like, what? She's like, this is a musical. I was like, this is a musical? I'm like, are you serious? Because now I'm upset. I'm like... Man, I hate musicals, and I'm, I'm stuck here. This is just started, and there's already singing going on. It's not even like dialogue. And it's the Wolverine singing. Like, this guy doesn't know how to sing. He's the Wolverine, you know? It's not what I expected, but I enjoyed it nonetheless. It's what I needed. It was a, it, I enjoyed the movie thoroughly. This morning, as we open God's Word, Jesus Christ shows up in a way that is completely unexpected. More so than the Wolverine singing, okay? Jesus shows up, and I love this passage of Scripture because leading up to this, Jesus Christ is in Capernaum, right? This is an actual place on a map. There's Capernaum, and he is, he's preaching. He's healing. He is casting out demons. Then he goes on a, a, a bit of a road trip around this area of Galilee, and now he returns to Capernaum again. And so the word about Jesus Christ has gotten out, who he is, what he's done, the things that he's been saying, and now he's back in Capernaum again. And now we start chapter 2 of Mark, verse 1. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home, and many were gathered together so that there was no more room not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. So people are coming from all over the place. You have to remember, this is at a time when there's, they don't have nice hospitals, right? There's, there's, no, there's no minute clinic down the street that people can go to if you're sick. There's no hope for you to get better. You don't have any money to get. Even if you could find a doctor, you don't have the resources available to you to hire that doctor to do what you need to do. And so the, the thought of Jesus Christ showing up, being in your own town, and, and you're sick, or you're, 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 your family is sick, or there's something going on that you need help with, and Jesus Christ shows up in your own town, everybody shows up. There's no more room. Not even at the door. The door is packed. You can't even get in. This is not 
the kind of American church pack that we think of where it's about 80% and then we're full. This is completely and utterly full. Now, just to get the right perspective of what this looks like, there's a couple pictures of houses. So it's, it's the house we're talking about, Capernaum, is not this, okay? It's not this, but it's something more like this. All right, so we're talking about these homes are not elaborate homes, multiple rooms, a couple of bathrooms, a, a nice basement, right? These are one-room homes. These are small. These are quaint. There's not a ton of space available. When we read that it was full, I mean, we are talking utterly packed, wall to wall, people pressing in. Look, if you're sick and there's an opportunity to get near Jesus Christ, you are working your way into that room. So much so that that when you got there and there is no room, they meant there was no room. You couldn't even get through the door. So, verse 3. And they came, who's they? These, these four guys and their friends, there's five of them. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And, they, and when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. So they get to the house. There's four guys carrying their friend. There's five guys. They finally get their friend to the home. And they show up, and no one's moving, right? No one's getting out of the way. No one's giving up their seat for these guys. There's nowhere else for them to go. They, they look at the situation. There isn't windows to climb through. There isn't a door to go through. There's no back door to come into. Everything is completely full, and they've got their friend on a stretcher, and he needs the help of Jesus Christ. So what are we going to do? How are we possibly going to get near Jesus Christ? We came all this way carrying our friend, and there's no other hope for him. There's no doctors for him to see. There's no, there's no MRI machines or x-ray machines or anything else to diagnose what's wrong with him. All we know is that he's completely paralyzed and that he needs as much help as he can possibly get. And there's one inside the house that we know has the power to heal. So what do they do? They re- begin to remove the roof above Jesus, okay? I want to show you a picture of roof. So the roof that they're removing is not this kind of roof, and it's not that kind of roof. It's more like this kind of roof. So this kind of roof, they're not up there with, with hacksaws and, and cordless drills and all this kind of stuff to remove the roof. By the way, if you need some of those materials, you come see me in a couple weeks, okay? It's a joke, all right? So... There they are removing the roof, and this would have been a complete and utter mess. This was not a clean operation. There's, there's, this, there's a layer of sticks, then there's a layer of mud, then there's a layer of straw, and then there's mixed in all that. There's, there's thorns. There's all kinds of stuff in this roof. So they would have gone to the roof, and they would have begun to remove this roof, and the people inside would have had clumps of dirt falling on them, sticks falling on them. There have been stuff, there have been junk falling all over the place on the people underneath this roof. There would have been dust and dirt and mess and stuff everywhere. That would have been the situation. It would have gotten all over the place. 
You can imagine this scene. This isn't a clean scene. This is a dirty work zone mess. But here's the thing. As they're doing this, as, as, as the roof finally does open up, as, as this guy is laid down before Jesus, the house goes utterly silent. What is Jesus going to do in this moment? See, Jesus is speaking with power and authority. Demons are terrified of him. He's going throughout calling people from the dead back to life again, giving sight to the blind, opening up deaf ears. He's unbelievably compassionate and kind to widows and children. Jesus is doing all these things. And now finally, after the dust settles and the house gets quiet, because what is Jesus going to do in this moment? What is he going to say? Is he going to apologize to everyone there for all the dirt and stuff that's all over them, that's in their hair and in their clothes and on the ground, let alone the guy's house that had just been dismantled? What is Jesus going to do? And Jesus simply looks down the guy in the mat before him. And it's dead quiet in this home. Because what is Jesus going to say? And Jesus simply looks down at this guy, this paralytic, and says, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. What is that about? I mean, did this guy, did his friends tear through the roof? Lower down the sky in this, in this bed to have Jesus pronounce his sins forgiven? I mean, is that what they traveled all this time for? Is that what they climbed up on the roof to do? Is, is that what they removed the roof for so that Jesus could simply say, hey, bud, your sins are forgiven? And that's it? I mean, there's nothing else that you want to say, Jesus? I mean, surely you can see this guy, he's unable to get up. He's laying on this mat because he's paralyzed, and you want to forgive his sins and then leave him out there on the mat. Then, in Mark fashion, we move on to verse 6. He just simply moves right through this. Watch this. And now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they were thus questioning within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Hold on, hold on a second here. Mark just moves right on to the Pharisees and the scribes who are there listening to Jesus. But hold on a second here. See, this guy that was just, his sins have been forgiven. Jesus has just healed the deepest part of who this guy is. Jesus had just completely healed this guy from the inside out. His relationship with God has been restored. There's been reconciliation between him and God. Some of the most powerful words ever spoken are, I forgive you. And that's what Jesus does. This person's life has been changed forever. He's been changed completely and utterly. His soul 
cleansing power of God has just filled this guy's life. Jesus Christ has just spoken the words of such power and magnitude that the people around him weren't marveling at the fact that Jesus was so compassionate and kind and amongst everything else, he says this. The guys listening are incredulous that he would even say such a thing. So Jesus, answering their thoughts, which in an honor-shame society, this would have been a huge clash. The tension was high at this moment. There is a, the room is filled with this relational tension going on here. Jesus Christ, in verse 9, says this, Which is easier... To say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? It's a rhetorical question. What's, what's easier? He says, your sins are forgiven. Right? Any one of us could say that. Anybody could say it. Anybody could make that promise. Nobody would know if it was true or not. Anyone could say those things. So Jesus calls him and says, look, I know exactly what you're thinking. What's easier for me to do? Well, on one level, it's easier for him to say, your sins are forgiven because there's no proof. On another level completely, the forgiveness of sins, that's from God alone. And if Jesus is able to say that, then he himself is claiming to be God. No man can forgive sins. That's God alone can do that. That is God's decision alone. That's God's prerogative alone. Jesus moves on in verse 10. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. So here he is. He's just just forgiven this guy's sins. Now he looks over at the guy as everyone's questioning in their hearts and there's this tension because Jesus Christ is calling him out saying, hey, look, why are you questioning me? Why are you calling me out in front of all these people? He simply looks at the guy and says, you know what? Rise, pick up your bed, go home. Now, here's the thing. I remember when I broke my arm, right? So I had my arm in a cast from my shoulder all the way down to like my fingertips. I broke my wrist playing basketball when I was in college. And I had this cast on for, it was for, it was like 10 weeks or something. It was like a bone that didn't get much oxygen in the wrist and they had to have it on forever. Well, they took the cast off. And if you've ever had a broken bone, right? And they take the, finally take the cast off. What is your, what is your hand like? You can barely move it, right? I mean, my, my arm was like this for, for like weeks. Like, even the cast was off, and my arm was still like this. Because I couldn't, it was so stiff and so painful to even move your hand or your arm or your leg, right? You know exactly what I'm talking about. If you've ever broken a bone, you get the cast off. It's not like, okay, I'm great now. I'm, I'm better. And that's just after not moving your hand for six weeks. And you can barely move your arm. Your, your, your muscles have atrophied. You're, 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 you're stiff. 
And Jesus looks over at this guy and says, I say to you, pick up your mat, go home. And what does this guy do? He jumps to his feet, picks up his bed, and walks right out of the room. Look, there, it is a complete and total healing, right? This guy had been paralyzed for, let's say, a week even. He's not just jumping out of his bed and walking around and picking up his mat. I mean, there is a complete and total healing with this guy. I mean, he's grabbing his bed, and on the way out, he's probably hitting guys that were not letting him in, like, get out of my way now, right? I'm all good. I'm better. I've been healed. No physical therapy, no need for strength conditioning, right? A complete and total healing. And I want us to just take a moment to consider the compassion of Christ to heal the whole person. Look, he's not just interested in saving souls, although that was part of his mission, right? Part of his mission was to save souls, to call people into repentance, and to right relationship with God. Very important, just that's huge. But his, his concern isn't just for the soul of the person, it's for the whole person. Jesus Christ caring for this whole person. This whole person's been restored from the inside out. His body and his soul completely and utterly healed. That's what Jesus Christ has done. See, when Jesus Christ began preaching in, this, in the first chapter of Mark, in Mark, in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, he says, look, the kingdom of God is at hand. Believe the gospel. Right? The kingdom of God is at hand. It means... Look, the, the, the presence of God, the power of God is in your midst. And the presence of God is, is beginning to slowly dismantle the kingdom of darkness. That life by life, Jesus Christ is reclaiming that which is his. And shutting down the, the kingdom of darkness. Overtaking and overpowering that which sin and Satan and death and everything else that has been destructive and has brought brokenness and pain in this world, Jesus Christ is in the process of healing and restoring and bringing restoration to things. He's not just saving the guy and sending him off to heaven. He's bringing restoration to the whole person. And he's still doing that today. There is a restoration. There is a healing that goes beyond just our souls being saved. Jesus Christ, life by life, person by person, family by family, is beginning to bring restoration and healing, not just for our souls, but for our bodies and our relationships and everything else included, that the kingdom of darkness would begin to, begin to be dismantled piece by piece in the kingdom of Jesus Christ begin to reign in rule, in righteousness, and in justice, and in peace. That is what Jesus Christ is doing, reclaiming lives little by little. Not just physically, not just spiritually, but both. Jesus Christ healing the whole person. See, I was a church kid who Growing up, knew all the answers, knew all the verses, knew all the songs, had all the right knowledge of God, knew about God, knew about His Word. 
then one day I encountered the living God on a balcony in Panama City, Florida. And that didn't just change my thinking about God, it changed my heart. It didn't just change my knowledge, it changed who I am on the inside. I encountered the living God in that day. And I feel like what's, what's happening in this story is that the, the, the paralytic, his friends, the Pharisees, everyone else at this house, they're not, just, they're not just encountering an amazing preacher. They're not just encountering a healer. They are encountering the living God. He is in their midst. He's speaking words of life to them, and he's bringing healing with him. That is what Jesus Christ is doing. And that's what he's still doing today. So we proclaim Jesus Christ, we sing, we worship, we declare Jesus Christ, not as some distant memory, but as the living God today. And there's a number of responses to that. For the Pharisees, it was a heart that became more hard. As we're going to see in these next this next chapter, really, encounters with the Pharisees where their hearts continue to get harder and become more obstinate against Jesus Christ. There's others like this guy who was healed who just simply, man, he's ecstatic. He leaves. He's, he's probably rejoicing all the way home. There's other people in this passage we read that says, amazement filled them all. And they begin to worship Jesus. We never saw anything like this before. We've, we've, We've heard some teaching. We've seen some people maybe get better. But man, we've never seen anything like this before. Jesus Christ is at hand. How will we respond to him? Will you offer your life to him? Maybe you know all the right answers. Maybe you've been at church a million times. Maybe you've heard this story a million times. You have all the right knowledge and all the right understanding and you know the songs and you know what you need to say and you know how to get through a conversation with people at church and saying the right things. But man, your heart is far from Jesus. Maybe you've never trusted Jesus Christ with your life. Maybe you've heard stories about him. You've heard people talk about him, but you don't know Jesus. Today can be the day of salvation just like it was for this guy. He had no idea what he was getting himself into when he was lowered through that roof, did he? He had no idea what was going to happen. But he encountered the living God, forgave him, restored him, healed him, cared for all of who he was. Maybe it's hard to think about inviting Jesus into your life. Because you don't know if you invite him into your life or into your house, the roof may get ripped off. Things may get messy. He may ask you to do things you don't want to do. He may begin to dismantle things that you, like, wow, I really worked hard on that roof. And now it's coming apart piece by piece. It's making a huge mess as it goes. But Jesus Christ is healed to heal. He is here to heal the whole person. Not just a part of you, not just a little bit of you, not just one area of you. 
His kingdom has come. His kingdom is at hand for the whole thing, all of life. I want to close in prayer. We'll take communion together. Luke will lead us in that. But I want to give us an opportunity to respond to him. If you need to respond to Jesus Christ in a way that says, Lord, I've been keeping you at a distance. And I've been on the outside looking in. I haven't been sure. I don't want to, I don't want the fuss. I don't want the, the, the mess. Maybe this morning you invite Jesus to come near to you. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ and you want to say, Jesus, I want to trust you with my whole life, all of who I am, believing that you can forgive all of me. Give me your life. So Jesus, this morning, Lord, we give thanks that you are the living God. Lord, that you draw near not to just heal a part of our lives. Lord Jesus, you've come to heal the whole person, all of who we are. So Lord, I pray for those of us who have kept you at a distance. We don't like the mess. We don't know what you're going to ask. We're not even sure if you know what you're talking about. But Lord, this morning we humble ourselves. Jesus, draw near to us. Lord, heal our hearts. Lord, there are parts of us that are broken and injured and hurt and unsure. Jesus, we pray. Lord, give us your life and your peace in your presence. Lord, for those of us who've never trusted you with our lives, Jesus, we ask that you would heal us. Lord, that you would forgive us for all of our sins, all that we've done, the pain we've caused others, the pain we've caused you, and we pray that you would forgive us. Lord Jesus, heal us, we pray. And Lord Jesus, as your people, as your church, Lord, we invite you into this place. God, whether that means a roof gets ripped off or it's hard to get through or there's mess involved, God, where can we go? Who has the words of life but you? Lord Jesus, soften our hearts. Draw us near to your presence. Lord, we love you this morning. In your name we pray.